thing you're doing and you're about to do. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Sorry. When nature calls, you know, you got to answer. <laughs> um, not really. Maybe. <laughs> I told somebody one time, I can tell you without looking on my watch exactly when the service is supposed to start. Because that's when I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Actually, the reason that I, I, I walked up here late is I just wanted to watch you guys and see the awkwardness of nobody knowing what was going on. People are like looking around and whispering, what's going on? And it's weird. It's a little awkward, right? We're in a series, and we're going to talk today about what just happened, about being late, about waiting. Let me see a show of hands. We need to be honest today. How many of you hate waiting? You hate waiting for things like water to boil, right? You hate waiting in traffic. You hate waiting in checkout lines. You hate waiting at airports. You hate waiting on your spouse. Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Keep it down on that one. We're in a series talking about when God seems. And last week, we talked about when God seems silent, when God seems inattentive. We we looked at John the Baptist. If you didn't get that... um, I love our church.com or journeynorthchurch.com. We're still working on a website, but the links to all the sermons are there. Um, we talked about when God was silent or inattentive. Next week, we're going to talk about when God seems uncooperative. But today, I want to look at what happens when God seems late. Because I believe that many of you here, partly because I've talked to so many of you here about that, that you're praying for something. You're believing for something, and you're waiting for something, and, you, and it doesn't seem to be happening. And your question is, why doesn't God do something about it, whatever it is for you? Why doesn't God do something about it? Issues or challenges with you or uh, financial challenges? It could be health issues or challenges with you or a, a, a loved one. It could be relational challenges, um, honesty again, show of hands. How many of you have asked God why he doesn't do something about it? You've asked God. And my hand's up on that. We ask, why don't you do something about it? And I don't know what your thing is. Maybe, maybe you're um, one of those couples that is just waiting to conceive. And it's not happening. Maybe you're waiting to get married. Maybe you're waiting on that prodigal to return home. And they're not. Maybe you're waiting on a job, or maybe you're waiting on a better job. Maybe you're waiting for healing. Maybe you're waiting for that friend or loved one to come to Jesus, and they just seem to keep getting farther and farther away. And we ask the question, why are you making me wait, God? It's not like I'm asking for something bad. I'm not asking for something wrong. Why are you making me wait? In your worship folder is an outline. You might want to have that today, write a few things. Today, I told you last week, this series, I believe it's crucial, but I believe that not everybody's going to like it because it doesn't have like, here's the five easy steps to have everything work out good. It's going to create some tension, 
But I'm hoping what it does is it builds some faith. So if you're in that season right now of waiting, you certainly need to take notes. If you're not in that season of, right, uh, of waiting right now, you certainly need to take notes because you're coming up on it. That's just life. That's how it works. So the, the kind of the big thing that I want you to get today is this. If you're taking notes, with God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. A waiting season is never a wasted season. It's easy for us to think that it is. In the middle of it, when we've been waiting sometimes for hours, sometimes for days, sometimes for years or decades, and it's not happening. And we're waiting, and we think it's just all wasted. But with God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. We're going to look at a story today. I love this story from the Bible. It's from John 11. Um, it's about Mary and Martha and their brother, Lazarus. Um, Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus, were, they were tight with Jesus. They're like buddies with Jesus, um, close to him. He'd been in their home numerous times. Um, he, he was close to them. He ate dinner at their home um, often. Um, they're, just, they're very close. And you would think that Jesus would certainly do for them what he'd done for everybody else what he'd done for complete strangers. That's what they're expecting. But we find them in the story waiting. It starts in John 11, verse 1, this way. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This is the, what I just talked about, the Mary and the Martha and Lazarus. This is that story that you might, you might have heard about in the Bible where Jesus comes to the people's house for dinner and um, Martha is, she's the extrovert. She's trying to get everything done and accomplished. She's trying to get the food cooked. She's trying to get everything straightened up. She's trying to get things done and she's working herself silly. And, and then her sister Mary comes to Jesus and is like, I'm sweating here, Jesus, and I'm trying to get everything done, and here's Mary doing nothing. And it's an interesting story, but this is that Mary and Martha, their house. Um, and so um, this Lazarus, their brother, was sick. It says, verse 3, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, and I love how they say this. They could have said Lazarus is sick. They didn't have to use last name because he knew Lazarus, but they didn't. They said, Lord, the one you love is sick. I think this is interesting because I think kind of what they're doing is they're reminding him why he should help. It's not just anybody. This is the one you love. And I can see they sent word to have him know that because he was close to Bethany. And so now they have their people around him. Lazarus is in the bed and he's just not sick with a cold. It's not looking good for Lazarus. But they're telling their friends around him, don't worry, Jesus is going to be here. We've seen, it do, we've seen him do it for so many other people. He's going to be here. Jesus is in our small group. We're tight. We know him. He's going to be here. And then Jesus doesn't come. He's not really far away, but he doesn't show up. They're waiting. Hour goes by. Well, we sent word. Where's Jesus? Another hour goes by. No Jesus. You know, checking the watch. I know that it's not that far from where he's at to Bethany. Where is he? I don't get it. I don't know if you've done the same thing that they did and remind Jesus why he should help you, but I hear it all the time, and I know in my head I do the same thing. You know, we remind God, here's why you should help me. Look what I'm doing for you, man. You know, 
I gave money to that fake Santa with the red bucket in front of Walmart three times last month. I, I listened to Christian radio on the way to work. That has to count for something, right? I posted a Bible verse on my Instagram account. Or I talked to somebody that, that, that believed that God should answer their prayer because they're serving him. And I said, where are you serving him? They said, I'm serving him with the two-year-olds. And then you know how they described them? Tiny, crazy crackheads. That's how they described the two-year-olds. And it's like, that's how much I love you, Jesus. And so certainly, you're going to do this for me, right? You're going to do this for me because look what I've done for you. And they're thinking the same thing. Lord, we're good friends. We, we have this connection thing. And Jesus doesn't show up. He's just not there. But with God... A waiting season is never a wasted season. So there's two things that are going to come from this story that I want you to remember. God's delays. You're waiting on God. If you're taking notes, here's the first one. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Now just because He hasn't done it yet, it doesn't mean he's not going to do it. Just because he hasn't answered your prayer yet doesn't mean he's not going to answer your prayer. In fact, here's what we read. We read this about Jesus in the next verse, verse 4. When he heard this, when Jesus heard this, when he heard what? When he heard that Lazarus was sick. When he heard this, the people around him, here's what he said to them. This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory. So that the Son, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So they heard that, and we know that. Mary and Martha didn't know that. They sent people to tell Jesus that the one they love was sick, and Mary and Martha didn't know what was going to happen. And what Jesus is saying for, for us, in other words, is this. I know what's going on. I know what's happening. And I am still in complete control. And when you get to the end of your story, you're not only going to see that there was a purpose for it, but you're going to see me, Jesus says. You're going to see me glorified through this very thing that you never wanted to happen. Jesus says, I will be glorified through this. See, we have to remember that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. In fact, I believe sometimes many delays are divine denials. I'm Many delays are divine delays, not necessarily denials, because God has a reason for the, all those not yets. You know, he can answer your prayer, yes. He can answer it, no. Or he can answer it, not yet. And I believe that many of the times he says not yet, those delays are divine delays. And here's why I believe that. Because I believe that often God wants to do something in you before he does something for you. And we get stuck on the thing needs to happen and we don't allow him to do in us what he's trying to do. So he ain't going to do for us what he wants to do until he can do something in us. Because just because you don't see something happening, that doesn't mean God's not working. He might not be doing what you think. He might not be doing it your way, but that doesn't mean he's not working. Mary and Martha 
all they know, got to heal him. You've got to be here, Jesus. You, you have got to heal him. We believe, we just know that you're coming. And they're waiting. And with God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. But time goes by. Not just hours. Days go by. And Jesus hasn't arrived. And then finally, he shows up. But not only does he not show up and heal, he shows up enough after the fact that he's not even there in time to comfort them in their grieving. It's like insultingly rude when Jesus finally shows up. And he wasn't that far away. It says in verse 17, On his arrival, when he got to Bethany, to the house, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb. How long does it say? Four days. days. It's a long time to be dead. A few verses later in NIV, it says there was a bad odor. I prefer the King James. He stinketh. (laughs) Literally, it says he stinketh. The Greek is, is pue, where we get P-U. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's not it. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if it was? <laughs> he stinketh. Four days he's been dead. That's significant. And it may be significant for a reason that you don't know. Because there was a superstition in that day. These first century people had a superstitious belief that for three days, the spirit would hover over the body. And maybe if the spirit was close enough, there could be some miracle still. But four days, no hope. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, because you think like me, and you're thinking the same thing. You're thinking um, Miracle Max and Wesley and Inigo Montoya. I want you to watch and, I want you to watch and listen um, to this next clip. It's very short. Your first story was better. Where's that bellows cram? He probably owes you money, huh? Well, I'll ask him. He's dead. He can't talk. Look who knows so much, huh? Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Please open his mouth. Now, mostly dead, he's slightly alive. Now, all dead, well, with all dead, there's usually only one thing that you can do. What's that? Go through his clothes and look for loose change. Probably go home and watch the rest of it if you want to watch the rest of that. If you're you're like me, you will probably go home and watch the rest of it. Here's the thing. Day one, two, and three, maybe he's only mostly dead. In their thinking, though, this is day four. He's all dead. In other words, four days in, there is no hope. There is no hope now at all. And we know what they're thinking. It's game over, Jesus. You let us down. You failed us. You didn't even show up. And they're thinking, I don't get this. What's going on here? But we know that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. In verse 20, it says, When Martha heard that Jesus was coming... She went out to meet him. Now, I want to stop there for just a second because you remember Martha was the extrovert. 
It's going to tell us that Mary stayed at home because Mary's an introvert. This is not necessarily in the text, but when I read the Bible, I like try to place myself there. You know, what was it like? What were they doing? What were they feeling? And here's how I imagine this happening. When Martha heard Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him like this. Where were you? Didn't get the text? You got the text about dinner. Showed up for dinner. Where were you? I don't get it. It says Mary stayed home, and here's what Martha said to him. Lord, it's interesting, she starts with Lord. Peter does that often too. He says, Lord, not so. It's like, wait a minute. He's either Lord or he's not. But she says, Lord, and, and what, are the, what are those three words I have underlined? If you had. Here's what I believe, that almost every person in this room has said that at one time to God. If you had. And the reason is we know best. We know that what we want is good and we're praying for that. And she comes to him and she says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I love that they add the next verse in there, though, because it's actually where I live. She says, if you'd been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And here's what she's doing. She's doing what I do. And it's okay to live there. There's a tension. Something happens. It's not what we consider the right thing. And we don't understand it. Something happens. I'm praying for it. It didn't happen. Or I'm praying for it not to happen. And it does. And I don't understand. There's that tension. But I still believe. I still trust. The longer I walk with him, the more days I have my coffee with Jesus, the easier it is to trust him. To have that be the first thing that I go to. I don't understand this. I don't like this. But I trust you. And maybe you've done the same thing. You've got mad at God. Guess what? You don't have to feel guilty for getting mad at God. He's kind of big enough to handle it. As long as it ends in trust and faith. God's okay with you arguing with Him. God's okay with the things you say to Him. He just wants it to end in you saying, but I know that even now, God, you'll do the right thing. I trust you. See, that's where she was in that tension. So, you're waiting. I don't know what you're waiting for. But whatever it is, you seem, it seems to you like it's never going to happen. seems like a good thing, but it's not happening. And you're waiting, and it's not fun waiting. Maybe it's your job or your business is supposed to be growing by now, and it's not happening. Maybe that relationship that you're praying about is not progressing the way that you think it should. Maybe the, the health concerns that you have for you or for somebody else are not improving. In other words, here's what we're saying to God. You're not meeting my expectations. This is what I think should happen. And you're not meeting my expectations. And that brings us to the second thing to remember. The first was God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. And here's the second thing. If you're taking notes, if God always met your expectations, he'd never have the opportunity to exceed them. I can't tell you how many Christians I know 
that are so unhappy because God gave them exactly what they wanted, but not necessarily what they needed. See, he, if he always meets your expectations, he won't have the opportunity to exceed them. This, um, I'm going to read just a, a couple things. This is, this is our giveaway Bibles. Um, in 11 years of Journey in Our Church, we have literally given away hundreds of Bibles, hundreds and hundreds, because we believe that this is where the answer is. The truth will set you free. It will really make you miserable first, but it will set you free. And we find the answer in here. We find Jesus in here. And in this particular Bible... Page 733, the page, Lord, to remember, page 733, says at the bottom of the page, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had, that's the page break, 733, if you had, she continues her sentence on the next page, but Jesus' first words on the next page are verse 23 on page 734. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. See, the problem is too many get stuck on page 733. Lord, if you had, if you had, and they never turn the page. They never turn the page to see what God can do. And in this case, Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And it's interesting how he does this. Jesus does this. He says, your brother will rise again. Martha answers him then. With kind of, it's, it's the truth, and it's what's in her heart. It's kind of the Sunday school answer. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Totally true. Here's the problem. For Martha, the resurrection was an event. And it is. It is going to happen. But for her, that's all it was. It was just an event. I love the way Jesus responds to that. Jesus said to her, what are the first two words he says? I want to stop there for one second because I will give you the real Greek, not the P-U-A, P-U Greek. These words here, um, when Jesus said these words, often the people around him tried to kill him. Because those two words in Greek, ego eimi, there was a way he could have said it that it would have just passed by, nobody would have thought anything. But when he said it the way he said it, he was saying, I am. Same thing God said in the Old Testament when Moses said, who should I tell them sent me? And God said, tell them, I am sent you. That's who Jesus is claiming to be here. But Jesus doesn't say, good answer, Martha, you're right. Someday Lazarus will be resurrected, let's move on. That's not what he says. He says, I am the resurrection. You see, yeah, the resurrection, it's not just an event. It's a person. Jesus said, yeah, the resurrection is going to happen. That's true, Martha. I am the resurrection. I am the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. See, he's given her a far greater truth than she understood before that as he talks about this relationship. See, Martha and Mary wanted a healing. Jesus wanted a resurrection. He had a different plan here. And he says, I am the resurrection, Martha. I am the life. And you believe in me and you'll never die. 
And Jesus said, he told them, take away the stone. I would love to have seen the people's faces. They're standing in the graveyard, right? They're in the graveyard. Stone in front of the tomb. And they said, he's take away the stone. It's like, well, you know, he's four days. He stinketh. We don't want to do that. And they roll the stone away. And I have to believe, this is the divine imagination again. I have to believe that the smell wafted out a little bit. And they understand the situation. And Jesus says, when he had said this, he actually talked to God. And he says, I'm saying this out loud, God, not for your benefit. I know you always hear me. I'm saying this so that they'll hear it. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Again, would have loved to have been standing there watching. As as he's talking to the grave where the guy inside, the smell is coming out. And he says, Lazarus, come out. But I really would have loved to have seen their face at the next part. The dead man came out. I have a theory. I'm pretty sure it's true. Why Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. Where were they? Graveyard. Had he not said Lazarus come out, there could have been a whole bunch of people come out. (laughs) Right? Would have had a whole new twist to this story. But it actually teaches us a truth. Those other people in the cemetery, they had loved ones who were grieving. They had loved ones who felt the loss. Because we don't understand all of God's plan. We said this last week. You don't have to understand the plan to trust God's purpose. He didn't raise everybody. He raised Lazarus. He called him by name. And Lazarus, it says the dead guy, came out. You see, God's delays in this story, God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. And with God, that waiting season is never a wasted season. He does something. Because he wants to do something in you before he does something for you. And that built a faith in Mary and Martha that would not have been built any other way. And if God always met your expectations, like in this case, he would have the chance or the opportunity to exceed them. They wanted a healing. Jesus wanted a resurrection. So I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're one of those ones that it's like, I just want to be married and this ain't happening. And just because you're not married doesn't mean God's not preparing someone right now. Maybe. I don't know. I'm going to have that tension and I'm going to have that doubt, but I'm going to have that trust in God. You see, the important thing, I tell people this all the time. I know you want to meet Mr. and Mrs. Wright. I know that. You're looking for that. You know what the most important thing is? To allow Jesus to make you Mr. or Mrs. Wright. Way more important. Nothing worse than meeting Mr. Wright and have you be Mrs. Wrong. Right? (laughs) Let him work on you. I don't know how it's going to come out, but if you're in that waiting season, just because the person hasn't shown up yet doesn't mean they're not. God's working in you. Maybe you lost a job, but maybe losing one job, there might be a better one coming. We don't know that. You can't conceive. You want to have kids. Can't conceive. Nothing's happening. That doesn't mean you won't. But it might also mean that God has another plan. Maybe you'll adopt. Maybe something else will happen. And when you trust Him, you'll look back at the end of the story and you'll say, wow, 
Look at what he did. And your story will be like theirs. Here's what I want you to remember. The scene of your greatest disappointment, which for them was standing in a graveyard. The scene of your greatest disappointment may be the setting of your greatest miracle. I don't know what that is for you. Here's what I know. There's way too many people that are stuck on page 733. If you had. That's where they're living. They're not moving ahead. They're not letting God do in them what he wants to do. And they're stuck on page 733. And you need to know that page 734 is coming. For her, for Mary and Martha, it was your brother will rise again. But the bottom line is page 734 is coming for one reason. So that God's son will be glorified. Page does not mean everyone, you will rejoice. 734, that page does not mean everyone's healed. Didn't mean everybody rose from the dead that day. In your life, it doesn't mean that everybody that you're praying for gets healed. It doesn't mean you get the better job. It doesn't mean you conceive. It doesn't mean any of those things. It means God will be glorified. And when you look back on that, you will say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Too many people push until they get their way, and I believe that God finally says, okay, fine. Here. Gives them exactly what they want, and they realize sometimes for years, sometimes for the rest of their life, yeah, that probably wasn't what I should have had. Because they didn't trust. They stopped on page 733. God, this is what you have to do. There is no other answer, God. I got it figured out. As if, you know, God created the world. He might know more than you. But in the middle of our, our waiting, we don't usually believe that. We believe we have the answers. There's one part of this story. It's not on the notes or anything, but um, I know I, I talk a lot about memorizing Scripture because there's nothing, it's so important to memorize God's Word because when you're in a difficult time, like a waiting time, God can bring great things back to you. And some of you say, I can't memorize Scripture. I know you can memorize. I got a verse you can memorize in this passage, right in the middle of this passage, and I know you can memorize it. John 11.35. Jesus wept. That's it. Say that with me. Jesus wept. See, here's the context of that. Jesus is coming. He knows what he's going to do. But he's coming as he's getting close. He sees the people wailing and crying. He sees the grief. He understands what Mary and Martha are feeling. And here's what it says. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. It's like, wait, he knew what was going to happen. But Jesus wept. When you're going through your tough thing, when you're waiting and the answers aren't coming, where is he? He's right next to you, weeping with you, grieving with you. Because he understands. He knew what was going to happen. He knew Lazarus was going to be raised. He knows far more than we do. By the way, you know what the end of this story is? Lazarus dies again. Duh. If he didn't, he'd still be here, right? So you could almost say, oh, great, now he experiences death twice. <laughs> you know? 
it, it, he will rise again in the resurrection, but God had a plan there that blew them all away. That changed tons of lives that day as they saw what Jesus could do. Jesus can do the same thing in your life. My guess is the thing you think will solve your problem is probably not the thing that will really solve it. Doesn't mean you don't keep praying for it, but it means we trust him. And we move past page 733 and we get to page 734 where God says, I will do this and I will be glorified and you will look back and you will see it's the best thing that ever could have happened. I'd like to have you bow your heads as we pray. I know, Father, that there's a lot of people in here right now that they're waiting on things. They're struggling with certain things and maybe they don't see the answers. Maybe they don't see what can come out of it, anything other than what they think is the answer. And they're stuck on page 733. And maybe for too many hours or weeks or days or months or years, they've been saying, if you had, and they haven't moved on. My prayer, Father, is that they would realize that they can turn the page They can trust in you. And you can do something that will not only bring glory to your name, but it will will show them that you love them and have their best interest at heart. And I pray, Father, that for all of those here, maybe, maybe they got stuck on something like that and it's kept them from turning to you. It's kept them from just releasing it all to you because they haven't trusted you fully. My prayer, Father, is that today they would realize they they need to believe in who you are. You are the great I am. They need to place their trust, their belief, their faith into you, knowing that you died for them. That in simple faith they say, Jesus, I know that you died for me. I know that you lived for me, you died for me, you came back from the dead for me, you went to heaven and someday you're coming back for me. I don't understand all that, but I place my trust in you. I'm believing and and receiving you as my Savior today. We know, Father, that that will place them into the the family of God. That That all of heaven will rejoice when they do that. And you can start changing them and working on them from the inside out. That the things that were really their deepest longings, that they were looking for the answers in the wrong places and that they will find their peace and their rest in you. And for those who have already stepped across that line, Father, I pray that we would be able to, in the middle of the tension and the doubt, and in the middle of the, the, the things that we feel as disappointments, that we would be able to lean into you and trust you, knowing that, that your um, delay is not always your denial, but that you love us and have our best interest at heart. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing here in us and through us. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. I just think it's a hoot that after that message, we sang a song that says, You called me out of the grave. You called my name. And your love woke. When God called me out of the grave, you know what everybody around was saying? He stinketh. (laughs) And you might be thinking today, I'd really like to have him call my name and wake me up. 
and, and make my life alive, but I stinketh. You know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. And he's just waiting for you to say yes. He wants to call you into that amazing life. So don't delay. And remember the scene of your greatest disappointment may be the setting for your greatest miracle. Amen. And if you're a member of Journey North Church, remember it's a one-year commitment. In the back room, back there, Dan, wave. Back in that room, there's four of these pages. If you're a member, your name will be on a list. If you think you're a member and it's not on a list, there's a place to put that on another page too. That's my contractual obligation. We'll move on from that now. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. I thank you that you called me out of the grave. You called me by name because you love me. I know that that's the way you feel about everybody listening to this right now. Even the ones who are saying, I'm, I'm, I'm too far gone. I'm not even mostly dead anymore. I'm all death. We know that you love them. And we know that you want more for them than they could ever imagine. And my prayer, Father, is that we would just lean into you and trust you, especially during those times of waiting, and allow you to do that thing in us that you want to do. Thank you and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.